Good morning, everyone. Um, <clears throat> we've been doing a series entitled For the Love of Money. And in this series, we've desired to uh, take down the pimps in the pulpits and speak about how people are being manipulated uh, for money. And we also wanted to show that your relationship with God is not dependent on your financial state. These things are very important. And let me just say that for those who are listening who this message is one that um, contradicts on some level things that they have been exposed to or taught in the past, um, I completely understand. I completely get it. Uh, when I was being shown and taught and exposed to all of the things that I'm sharing with you, uh, it was a very painful experience for me, to be quite honest. Uh, a lot of the things that I had grew up with, a lot of things that I had believed to be true, a lot of things that I had been uh, teaching myself uh, were shown to not be true at all. And for anyone who has a belief system and then is shown very systematically that that belief system is in error, it is very hard to accept that readily. Um, so I know what you're going through. I know what hearing these words mean to you. I know that you don't want to be shown where you're believing in error. The only thing that I can say to you is listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit because He is the one who bears witness to the truth. Take, take this series, listen to it, read the scriptures, pray, pray, pray. I want you all to know that I am not attacking the church. I pastor a church, the Freedom Center Community Church. And the reality is, there is a distinction between God's church and man's church. So I'm sure there are some who hear the message that feel as though that I'm attacking the church. And if you feel that way, you might want to get into some serious meditation time with God. Because the majority of this series, if you've listened to parts one through three at this point, you know we've done a lot of reading of scripture. I'm not giving you my opinions. And where my opinions come into play, I try to be uh, very much uh, on point and on top of it to, sh to tell you, hey, this is my opinion. This is not scripture. I try to uh, differentiate between those two. So you'll know when it's Reginald and you'll know when it's the scripture. So the majority of the time be spent reading. So I just want to, I, I want to put that out there because it is, you know, something that is very, I'm seeing a lot of it in some of the responses. And let me also say that when you're listening to this series, and you receive 
what the Word of God is saying about the tithe and about giving. There are two things I need you to do, and I'll reiterate these at the end of the series as well. Number one, I need you to thank God and praise God for releasing you and, and for freeing you and for showing you the revelation through his word about that, that he does not require the tithe. And number two, I need you to forgive those people who have taught you in error. Every last one of them. Whether you've heard them on television, on the radio, uh, over the internet, in your local church, forgive them. Because the message of the gospel is God's grace, God's love, and God's forgiveness. And those are vitally important. Okay, so today in the series, we'll be dealing with the Levites' tithe of the tithe. Now in the last part, in part three, we talked about the Levitical tithe and how the Israelites, some of them, not all the Israelites, but some of the Israelites were instructed to pay a tithe or a tenth of their crops or produce and grain uh, for those you know who had the, had the farms uh, that you know if they owned the land and they planted a seed on the land and whatever came up from the seed they were to give a tenth and that included people with acres and acres of land and that included someone that had just a little garden outside their house they may have grew some tomatoes or some potatoes or whatever and then we also talked about how the Israelites who owned animals were to give a tenth uh, of the animals uh, as long as they owned ten or more animals because they were to allow the animals to pass under the rod and the tenth one was holy unto the Lord. So we dealt with that. So now we're going to deal with today about, and this is the second of the four tithes that we'll talk about, the, the Levites tithe of the tithe. So if you would turn with me to Numbers the 18th chapter. And we'll start at verse 25. Numbers 18, verse 25. And it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak thus to the Levites, and say to them, When you take from the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering of it to the Lord, a tenth of the tithe. Now, keep in mind that the 10% tithe that we're talking about here, and we have, to, we have to deal with the historical context this is presented in. Number one, this is for the Israelites that we're talking about. And number two, this, the tithe was not a burden to the Israelites. It was more of a celebration for the Israelites. See, the very cool thing was is that they had so much that they were able to give it. Right? So this is how the system was worked out by God amongst the Israelites. And so he, 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 sets, he sets it up to where the Levites don't own land. 
They don't own animals because they are working in the temple. Right, the tent of meeting is where the, the Levites work, and they do all the cleaning. They they do you know they take in whatever offerings are there. I mean they do the work of the temple, the tent of, tent of meeting, and so it it is required that the that the Le- that the uh, people are to give ten percent of what they have to the Levites, so the Levites can have food to eat. Okay, and we'll deal with the uh, the festival tides and the poor tides as well. Okay, so so again he says, all right. So when you take from the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering of it to the Lord, a tenth of the tithe. Now listen, verse twenty-seven, and your heave offering shall be reckoned to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor and as the fullness of the wine press. So now the tenth, the tenth that the Levites give, right, is going to be reckoned to them as if they were the Israelites who were given their 10%. You know, they were, in other words, they weren't the original owners of the land or the animals, but by giving the 10% of what they received, it'll be reckoned to them as though they were, right? This is God's system. It's a wonderful system, and when it was fully utilized, it, it was awesome to see. And we'll deal with, in Malachi, how the system changed, right? It wasn't God's command that it changed, but people weren't abiding by it, okay? All right, so l- listen. Verse 28, Thus you shall also offer a heave offering to the Lord from all your tithes, which you receive from the children of Israel, and you shall give the Lord's heave offering from it to Aaron the priest. Of all of your gifts, you shall offer up every heave offering due to the Lord from all the best of them, the consecrated part of them. Therefore you shall say to them, when you have lifted up the best of it, then the rest shall be accounted to the Levites as the produce of the threshing floor, as the produce of the wine press. Okay? Uh, now, let me finish this, but we'll come back to it and explain a little bit more. You may eat it in any place, you and your households, for it is your reward for your work in the tabernacle of meeting. And you shall bear no sin because of it when you have lifted up the best of it. But you shall not profane, profane the holy gifts of the children of Israel, lest you die. Okay, now. So the Israelites were instructed to give a tenth or a tithe of the produce and every tenth animal to the Levites. Then the Levites were just instructed to give a tenth, a tenth of what they received from the Israelites to the priests. So let's, let's talk a little bit about this. There's a saying that you have to always give God your best. How many have heard that? Okay, right. Okay, so we saw on, uh, in part three, and we read that that's not necessarily the case. Right? The Israelites were to give a tenth of the produce, but of the animals that passed under rock, they simply were to count them out and give the tenth one. I mean, if old Stumpy came down to shoot and was the tenth one, old Stumpy is the one that got sent over to God. And God didn't have a problem with it. As a matter of fact, God said, you can't inquire as to whether it's good or bad. 
right? He, God did not even want you to go, ooh, you know what? I don't want to give that to God. I want to give God better. God said, no, 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 no. If you do that, then you have to redeem both that and the replacement. And they both become holy unto the Lord. Just count the tenth one and let it go. So in that case alone, we realize that God doesn't always require your best. That's a statement that sounds wonderful and great, however, not factually correct. And since this is a church, yeah, let's just stick with the truth. Now, in this case, the saying takes on some real validity. The instruction to the Levites were that they were to give the best of what they received from the children of Israel. So watch how this works. The Israelites, a tenth of the produce, right, seed of the land, fruit of the trees, the tenth animal, they just give them to the Levites. Levites take them all in. Then the Levites were to go through and inspect and to identify what was the best that they received out of everything the Israelites just gave them, and then they were to give a tenth of that, the best, to the priest. Now, every priest was a Levite. Every Levite was not a priest. I'll say that again just so we can have some clarity. Every priest was a Levite. Every Levite was not a priest. In order to become a priest, you had to be part of Aaron's lineage. So, you know, there are these things that happen to be in front of a lot of, of passages of scripture, a lot of books of the Bible, called genealogies. Genealogies were very important to the Israelites. And we have to understand their culture to understand the significance of the genealogies. Uh, you know, many of us today, of course, like we were to write a bio, you know, I'm a pastor, so they had me write a bio for different things. I didn't include my genealogy in my bio. And depending on where you live, what country, and things of that nature, genealogies may be short alone, depending on how much you know about your history. The Israelites didn't have any of these concerns. They knew. Okay, so when they looked at your genealogy as a Levite, if you didn't have Aaron at some point in that lineage, you couldn't be a prisoner. I don't care how hard you worked. In, you could have been the best sweeper and cleaner and polisher and attendant meeting. I mean, you could have little stars sparkling around your head as you clean because you were that good of a worker. You were not going to work your way up to being a priest. You had to be born that way. You had to be born part of the lineage of Aaron. As a matter of fact, even if you saw in your family some people that were priests because they had Aaron in the lineage and you as well, and you decided you did not want to be a priest, it wasn't your call. If Aaron was in your lineage somewhere, you were going to be a priest. Period. End of story. So the priests then were relatively small in number. All right, now we're not talking about priests like we talk about today. Priests today and priests then completely different, right? Um, you know, today we talk about why everyone's a priest. Yeah, 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 it's true. And, and I don't have, I don't have, we are, we are priests and kings. I, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, the, the, the issue, though, is understanding concerning the tithe as to how it's being dealt with at that period of time. Because that's the relevancy. 
So, Israelites give a tenth without regard to the quality to the Levites. The Levites give a tenth with all regard to it being the very best. All right, everyone clear on that? Okay. Um, let's read, um, let's go back uh, again to the 18th chapter. Now, listen to what God is saying in the 8th verse. And the Lord spoke to Aaron, Here I myself have also given you charge of my heave offerings, all the holy gifts of the children of Israel. I have given them as a portion to you and your sons as an ordinance forever. Now, when Aaron died, the ties to the Aaronic priesthood weren't going to cease because it was to be given to Aaron and his sons, and their sons, and their sons, and their sons, okay? So it wasn't even a temporary thing. And he says, listen, this is an ordinance forever. This shall be yours of the most holy things reserved from the fire. Every offering of theirs, every grain offering, and every sin offering, and every trespass offering, which they render to me, shall be most holy for you and your sons, in a most holy place you shall eat it, every male shall eat it, it shall be holy to you. This also is yours, the heap offering of their gift, with all of the wave offerings of the children of Israel. I have given them to you and your sons and daughters with you, as the order is forever. Everyone who is cleaning your house may eat it. Okay, just want to make sure we deal with that piece, because I want you to understand God's plan and system. So he tells Aaron, he says, listen, I got you covered. You focus on me and the things of the, of the tent of meeting. Okay, uh, and let me draw another uh, parallel real quick. The significance of being a priest is that the priest got a chance to go in and deal directly with the presence of God. Right? You had the outer court, you had the inner court, and you had the holies of holies. The presence of God resided behind the veil. The priest had an opportunity. The priest had an opportunity to go in behind the veil at certain times of the year and interact directly with the presence of God. Now today. You and I are priests. Why is that? Because you and I today have the opportunity to be in the presence of God continually and interact with the presence of God continually. Right? So that's really the parallel there. Okay, so just understand, and I, I want to move on to the festival tithe, but the Levitical tithe was all the Israelites... The Levites tithe of the time was the temp was the uh, the best of what they had, 10% of the best of what they had given to the priest. Now store that away because we're gonna get to Malachi. And I'm gonna deal with Malachi, the home of the tithe monster. And we're gonna see how this all comes together. Okay, so now let's deal with the festival tithe. So we dealt with the Levitical tithe. We dealt with the Levites' tithe of the tithe. Now we're going to deal with the festival tithe. Go to Deuteronomy, the 12th chapter. And we'll start at... Oh... Start at verse 5. But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses 
out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place and there you shall go there you shall take your burnt offerings your sacrifices your tithes the heave offerings of your hand your vowed offerings your free will offerings and the firstborn of your herds and flocks and there you shall eat before the Lord your God and you shall rejoice in all to which you have put your hand you and your households in which the Lord your God has blessed you okay go back up to verse 7 and underline and there you shall eat before the Lord your God alright so the festival tithe is we're going to get into we're going to break it down a little bit more here understand that God would choose where his name would reside now at one point it was Shiloh and then it changed to Jerusalem and the people here are instructed that they'll take their offerings and their tithes go to the place that God has designated and there they shall do what? eat their tithe. Here we talked about this. Tithe was always food. We didn't have the liberty to up and just change it and say, oh, it's money, because they didn't, you know, not everybody's farmers today, so we just do money. Hello, not everybody was farmers back then either. And money's not new, by the way. They had money back then. As a matter of fact, we'll deal with the one exception here very shortly. But keep in mind, the tithe was always food. Again, we don't have the liberty just to up and change things out of Scripture to fit what we want them to say. We have to take them for what they are. Okay. Turn to Deuteronomy 14, chapter verse 22. It says, you shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide. The tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil of the firstborn of your herds and your flocks that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. But if the journey is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe or if the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you when the Lord your God has blessed you then you shall exchange it for money take the money in your hand and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses and you shall spend that money for whatever your heart desires for oxen or sheep for wine or similar drink, for whatever your heart desires, you shall eat there before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your household. You shall not forsake the Levite who is within your gates, for he has no part nor inheritance with you. Now, I'm going to stop there. I don't want to go any further because we're going to deal with this whole thing about the 23, you know, 23%, or excuse me, yeah, 23% of Israel's income went to tithes and all. We're going to deal with that, and I'll come back to this scripture. But we're going to deal with what we just read. 
So the festival ties in, right? We're going to deal with tithes. We're going to deal with it honestly with what the scripture says. The festival ties, and this is part of it, the festival ties required that the Israelites go to the place where God's name was abiding. Again, I, tell, I told you that at first it was Shiloh, then it became Jerusalem. So they would go to Jerusalem, and there they would take their tithes with them now. We talked about how you just cannot change for your own aggrandizement scripture to fit what you want it to fit. And to say that we're not all farmers today so we tithe money is, is irresponsible teaching because the reality is they had money back then as well. And not everybody was farmers. And just as a side note, if you please go back and listen to the first three parts of the series, you would also realize that not everybody in Israel tithe. So we're destroying quite a few myths here about tithing, aren't we? Okay, so you were to take the tithe. Now, if you were blessed so much, if you had so much produce or so many, or so many animals that you couldn't carry them because you lived so far away from Jerusalem, it was permitted uh, by you to exchange the value of that tithe into money so that it's easy to carry. Then you were to go there to Jerusalem, exchange it to buy the produce or the animals that you would have had and then consume them there before the Lord. So who was the tithe utilized by? You. It was for you. You weren't giving it to anybody. Sounds a little bit different, doesn't it? Now, I do want to take a uh, quick look back. And we're going to have to deal with a couple of things here. Right? There are some versions that will talk about uh, verse... 26, and you shall spend that money for whatever your heart desires, for oxen or sheep, for wine or similar drink, for whatever your heart desires. Now, let me just kind of make sure we have a good understanding, a contextual understanding. Okay, number one is that the Israelites still living under the law at this time were not permitted to eat unclean animals. So, when it says you can, you can buy whatever you, your heart desires, you still, it still had to be a clean animal. That was implied, right? It, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't need to be spelled out, okay? So you, you, in other words, you weren't going to buy no pork ribs. I mean, you, you understand? I mean, because, or chicharlings, because, again, they're still living under the law, and it wasn't permitted. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't um, spell out Although they did in the previous portion of scripture, they would spell out here and whatever your heart desires because they already, you know, you already realized you got to buy a clean animal. Number two is that the strong drink or fermented drink that is spoken of here is exactly what it says. Alright, so for those who say, well, the Bible, when it talks about wine, they're talking about unfermented or non-fermented wine, that's ridiculous. That's not what the scripture says. Okay? Noah didn't get drunk off non-fermented wine. Jesus wasn't hanging out with wine bibbers because it was non-fermented. 
right? At the, at the uh, Canaanite wedding, the person who's drinking the wine that Jesus made said, Woo! Normally people would say they, they uh, worse wine for last, but you say your best for last. Of course, he's inferring or intimating that if you're drinking fermented wine, your taste buds have gone a little sour, and so at the end of it, you really don't care what you're drinking. And so here he's saying, listen, you go get your drink on. Now, let me qualify the statement before everybody be out there blaming it on alcohol. <laughs> the issue that we have today with drunkenness is what the Bible speaks of, about guarding against drunkenness and being not drunk with wine. So if there are people who are listening that have an issue with alcohol, please, don't drink alcohol. Just don't drink it. If you, if you are teaching the Word of God and you say that alcohol, you know, the Bible doesn't really refer to alcohol like we're talking about, come on. Be really honest with people and teach the truth. So in this instance, in this case, you know, not only could you, you drink wine, but a similar drink. You know, depending on what region, culture you came from, whatever the case was. So you did have the opportunity. Now, again, I'm not advocating that you drink. Reginald Hawkins is not advocating you to drink alcohol. Got to put that out there. Just want to make sure you understand what the Bible says. And that's what it says. Okay? All right. And then again... He, com he completes it by saying, you shall eat therefore before the Lord your God and you shall rejoice, you and your household. So essentially, it was a big party. And you were celebrating what God has done. So think about the concept of the tithe, the festival tithe. Right, you grow your grain, right, harvest time comes, you harvest it all up, you take 10% of that, you take the 10th animal, you drag it to Jerusalem or you get it exchanged, you get to Jerusalem and you... You celebrate and thank God. You party up. All in the name of God. It was a wonderful time. And remember, tithe then did not carry or does not carry the connotation that it does now. Right? Which is why we're dealing with this series. Okay. Now, if this kind of sounds familiar to you, from a New Testament perspective, it really should. Go to Matthew 21. Let me tie something up here. Right? Because the, this is where the money thing, I believe, really got its, its start. And really where a lot of the issues come from. Matthew, the 21st chapter. And uh, we'll start at around verse... We'll start at verse 12, but it, real quick, let me, let me introduce the passage of Scripture to you. Okay, so, if you live too far, right, tithe's always food, but if you live too far, you can change it for money. When you got to Jerusalem, you needed to purchase things to eat, whatever your heart desires. Sheep, oxen, drink, strong drink, or similar. 
and 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 you would eat it before the Lord. It was holding unto the Lord. You know, God wanted you to do this to honor Him and to fear Him, reverential fear, respect. So Jesus, being God, is walking around the temple. Now, this is toward the festival time. Now, I did a series a while back, and I may end up having to do it again called Connecting the Dots. We're going to connect some dots here. Okay. The people who brought the money into Jerusalem were being taken advantage of. Verse 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Watch what happens. So people take their, take their tithe, change it into money, come to Jerusalem, now they need to buy the things they need to buy. They also had many offerings. We read about all the different offerings they had, and like nine offerings. Free will offering, heave offering, wave offering. Right? You had all these offerings that you needed. And so when you were bringing money there, you need to go and buy the animals that you would need for your offering or to consume, you know, eat ox. And what, and what some people had done is they had set up shop in the temple. So when, when they showed up, they're like, hey, we got your doves over here. We got your white doves. We got your black doves. We got your red doves. We got, you know, they, they, they said no shop. Now, listen, today, some people may call that, you know, target marketing. Hey, I'm just providing a service to you. God didn't see it that way. And it's odd to me how in some churches today, we have pastors sitting in the pulpit that are providing money-making schemes to congregants in the same way that Jesus just deals with these people who are identified, taking advantage of those who, in honoring God, come to where he is, come to worship him, and they're manipulated. They're literally robbed. People are so susceptible. Especially when God is involved. They're just wanting to honor God. They're wanting to, to be close to God. And so they come. Their hearts and minds are wide open. And to have somebody from a pulpit say, well, you give this money here and you do this here. All in the name of God. People, we've got to stop the, the foolishness. Jesus sees this and he becomes so angry that he turns over everything in that temple and says, this was supposed to be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. They never should have been there. They never should have been in that temple selling those things, taking advantage at exorbitant rates to people. That'd be like a church loaning money to its congregants and charging interest. Are you serious?
The only time that money was even permitted in reference to the tithe, man saw a way to take advantage of it. To manipulate people because of it. It wasn't what the tithe was for. Okay, let's go back to the Old Testament and continue getting our historical evidence. Let's go to... Alright, let's, let's, let's answer some questions about the festival tithes. Uh, let's go to Exodus 23 and let's see when the, when the festival tithes occurred. Alright, Exodus 23 and let's start around verse 14. Uh, three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. How many times in one year? Three. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. This is where you shall eat unleavened bread seven days, as I commanded you, at the time appointed in the month of Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty. Verse 16, And the feast of harvest... The first fruits of your labors which you have sown in the field and the feast of ingathering at the end of the year when you have gathered in the fruits of your labors from the field. And three times in the year all your males shall appear before the Lord God. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread nor shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until morning. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God you shall not bore a young goat in its mother's milk. Okay, so those are the three major feasts. The Feast of Unleavened Bread which is carried out in the month of Abib the Feast of Harvest and the Feast of Ingathering uh, Now let's also take a look at this for Deuteronomy the 16th chapter keep your finger there and turn over and then also as a backdrop keep in mind that this whole tithing thing was on a seven year cycle right because you only tithe you tithe six years the seventh year you rested the eighth year you planted and the ninth year you gathered again and remember we read how God made sure that on that sixth year harvest was so plentiful that it lasted you until you were able to harvest the ninth year. Right? So keep that as a backdrop to what's being spoken of here. Deuteronomy the 16th chapter, the 16th verse. Three times a year. Oh, you know what? Let's just start at th verse 13. You shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days when you have gathered from your threshing floor and from your wine press. And you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, and the Levite. Remember the Levite, let me make this clear. The Levites resided in all the towns that the Israelites lived in. So Levites, all the Levites didn't all reside in Jerusalem. And that's why you would pay, the Levitical tithe was actually paid to the Levite in your town. Makes sense, right? I mean, you would, you would give them, you know, what your field produced, right, from the seed that you sowed or from the fruit of your trees, and the tenth animal would go there. All right, so whenever there was these festivals and God talked about that, that like none should appear before me empty or empty-handed as some versions say, listen, that was not that, oh, well, you better go get yours, uh, you know, because I got mine. No, th that's not the context in which we've been reading. Everything we've been reading about is taking care of others. 
is always about sharing your abundance, celebrating, sharing your abundance with others. And so the concept is, and the system worked really well when it was followed, is that the Levites that were in their towns, they would share with the Levites. Now we're not talking about the Levitical tithe, we're talking about in addition sharing with the Levites so, they, so that they also would have something to give and to have as an offering and that's very important because think about this you ever been invited to a party where you have you know a request that you bring something and you may not have something to bring and you're like yeah I'm probably not going to be able to make it you may want to go to the party but you know if you don't have nothing to bring you don't want to show up and not have anything and so that was really prevented by the system that God had put in place by him saying, don't forsake the Levite. You, your servant, your male servant, your female servant, and the Levite. Make sure that you take the Levite from your town. Make sure they have something to give too. Make sure, because they don't have an inheritance of their own. And people love to do that. That was not the same issues that we have today with it. Okay, let me finish reading here. And he says, um, seven days you shall keep a sacred feast to the Lord your God in the place where the Lord chooses, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands, so that you surely rejoice. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear uh, before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God which he has given you. Alright, everybody see? Everybody get that? Alright. And let's conclude this, right, so you know it's three times a year. Let's conclude this uh, in Deuteronomy 12 chapter verse 17. And we'll wrap it up for this session. You may not eat within your gates the tithe of your grain or your new wine or your oil of the firstborn of your herd or your flock of any of your offerings which you bow of your freewill offerings or of the heave offering of your hand. But you must eat them before the Lord your God in the place which the Lord God chooses, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, and the Levite who is within your gates, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God in all to which you put your hands. Take heed to yourself that you do not forsake the Levite as long as you live in your land. So again, the festival tithes, which at least three times a year, you were to take a tithe of all you produced, your animals, and you were to consume it. You were to consume it. So if we were going to deal with the way the tithe is presented today, erroneously, it'd have to be food unless you live so far away from your local church <laughs> you couldn't bring your livestock or your grain um, and then when you got there 
you were to consume and so it would look something like this today right you'd be sitting in your local church assembly and then when ties time came you write a check out to yourself then you go treat yourself you go spend some money on yourself you go shopping for yourself and your family and all the while thanking and blessing God for it for his goodness that is how that would look okay on next week I will be teaching on the poor tithe so we've dealt with the Levitical tithe the Levites tithe of the tithe the festival tithes and then we'll deal with the poor tithe and then after that I'll deal with Malachi and then for all those who say that tithing didn't start with the law they started with Abram's tithe I'll deal with Abram's tithe also bow your heads God we thank you we honor you we love you so very much for what you're teaching us and what you're showing us thank you that your word is truth God we thank you for all those who are listening God I pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to them and that they hear God what he is saying I pray that they, they accept the truth and receive the freedom and that the relationship with you changes in its complexion that they see the most important thing is receiving your grace your love and your forgiveness now in the name of Jesus we give you praise honor and glory forever and ever amen thank you for listening to the message from the Freedom Center Community Church where people are experiencing life change by doing life together we desire to partner with every individual so that they may realize the full God potential that's in them also we invite you to become a friend of the Freedom Center Community Church on Facebook accept the truth receive the freedom thanks again for listening God bless